0: Today's episode of the Dantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by State Farm. When you need a game plan for protection, State Farm agents are here to help. With personalized service, agents are available to talk in person, over text, or through the State Farm app. So go with the one with coverage and agents you can count on. Find an agent in your neighborhood today. State Farm. Talk to an agent today. Today's episode is also brought to you by Drinkworks Home Bar by Keurig. Much like a premium espresso machine, but it makes cocktails instead. Drinkworks pods are made with premium spirits, real ingredients, and natural flavors. Love real ingredients and natural flavors. Love a good cocktail, but I'm terrible at making them. Every time I try to make one and grind an orange peel or whatever or light something on fire, I can never do it. It never comes out right, and then I have to just... Sit there and drink it and pretend like I did good, but I, I just secretly want to throw it out and try something else. But no more, because of the Drink Works Home Bar by Keurig, there are over two dozen different drinks to choose from, so there is literally something for everyone. It is so nice to try something new, you know. Sometimes you gotta branch out, whether it's a new drink or you try Devonte Parker for the first time, right, Craig? Exactly gotta try some new stuff the drink maker creates bar quality cocktails freshly made at the push of a button the only way to get the amazing Drinkworks home bar with exclusive savings plus free shipping go to drinkworks.com and use our promo code RINGERNFL that is R-I-N-G-E-R N-F-L at checkout to save $50 and get free shipping Don't wait. This amazing offer won't last, and it's only for our listeners. That is DrinkWorks.com, and use our code RINGERNFL. Again, that is R-I-N-G-E-R-N-F-L at checkout. And remember, please enjoy responsibly. DrinkWorks Home Bar is currently available in California, New York, Florida, Missouri, Pennsylvania, and Illinois, with more states available for presale today at DrinkWorks.com. podcast on the ringer nfl show on the ringer podcast network my name is danny heifetz and i am joined as always by my co-host and my co-danny the hero we need and the analyst we deserve the dark knight himself danny kelly how are you doing dk
1: <laughs> i'm doing excellent man it's uh we're on the eve of the fantasy playoff so i'm excited for that how are you doing
0: I am doing fantastic. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for both of you. I missed you guys. This has been
1: oh, ditto, such a long ditto. wait. <laughs> how was your Thanksgiving break?
0: My Thanksgiving my Thanksgiving was wonderful. Not yeah. sure how much of a break it was, but it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I am full. Craig, how are you doing,
2: Craig? I am full as well, but full of love for Devonte Parker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a big week for you. Big week for me. And, you know, we can use this right now to just jump into the what's of the week. However... It's almost the opposite, because it did not make me go, what? It made me go, I told all you motherfuckers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It really vindicated the Devontae Parker tattoo you've had on your forehead for the
2: entire time I've known you. (laughs) I tweeted like week two, Devontae Parker is good. And I knew it. And I said it last year and the year before that. I love him. He's good. I think you actually tweeted on Sunday
1: that Devontae Parker is the best wide receiver in the NFL in the best offense in the NFL. I stand by Something both along those, those lines. Yeah.
2: Um so yeah, you want to, let's just dive right into it, right? Get into it. Go for your Devontae Parker like thing. Like Devontae Parker diving into T- the Take end zone. that
1: victory lap, man.
2: So yeah our man had, like, 150 yards and two touchdowns. But more importantly, <laughs> they weren't bullshit touchdowns. It wasn't flukes. If you watch the game, if you saw even just the highlights of all of his catches, like, he looks great. He's balling out. He's, like, burning people deep and underneath. He's juking people. He's making, like, crazy leaping contested catches. Um, yep. He looks like a top-ten receiver, and he's been a top-ten receiver in fantasy and in real football in the second half of the season. He's the wide receiver three over the last four weeks. He's been the wide receiver seven since week four. Um... Jeez. It's just starting to get me to think about next year with him. And like I don't know wh- where he's going to go. Like, Has he cemented himself in your guys' mind? Or is he still a little bit fluky?
1: I think he's cemented himself as a... like a, like He has arrived, if you will. Because we've been talking about him for years. We're like, oh, it's going to be finally, finally his year. And then I think people finally gave up on this year. You know, gave up on him this year. And then it finally happened. So credit to you for really believing him.
2: Is this the latest arrival... Like, has there been a later arrival? I believe this is his <laughs> fifth year, and he's tr- he was truly hyped. He was like the Brashad Perriman-type hype where every single season it was finally going to happen. And then year five, I feel like it's it's okay to give up. Maybe I think year three, you can even probably start to give up. And he finally yeah. paid off. I, I mean, this does not happen much. The latest arrival
0: is Ryan Tannehill, and it is not a coincidence (laughs) that Ryan Tannehill and Devontae Parker were freed from Adam Gase's claws and then have promptly both broken out in the year 2019. Unbelievable. Uh, Also, Devontae Parker was in like a feud over playing time with Adam Gase, and Parker's agent and Adam Gase were just going at each other in the media for like an, an entire month last
2: season. So, hear me out. The Dolphins, if they can't get Tua, you should not draft a quarterback. Wait another year stick with Fitz, bottom out again, huge year for Devontae Parker, and then get the best quarterback the year after that.
1: <laughs> You're not a big Burrow fan?
2: I'd rather have two, I think. But Yeah, yeah. DK, what made you go what this week?
1: Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, there's four new, and I, I say that in quotations because some of them are returned. Quarterbacks starting right in time for the fantasy playoffs. We saw that this week. Drew Locke, Gardner Minshew, Andy Dalton, and Duck Hodges of the Steelers. And obviously with, you know, new quarterbacks, fantasy football and real football are both highly uh, dependent on quarterback play, whether it's your actual quarterback spot or the guys that are around those quarterbacks can really affect your fantasy matchup. And so each of these guys, I think, is going to have a pretty big impact on the fantasy playoffs. So I think I, to me, just wanted to go through each guy really quickly and kind of talk about what the biggest takeaway from each guy is. For Drew Locke, he came in first start, you know, coming off the IR immediately threw two touchdowns to Corden Sutton in the first quarter. Um, And that, to me, was kind of like the biggest takeaway of the game. He only had 11 passing yards in the second half, so he definitely tapered off as the the game went on. I think they kind of kept things really conservative for him offensively and all that. Um, But the fact that he was able to get Sutton going and get him involved and he was his go-to guy, to me that says Sutton's fantasy value um, should be static, if not even better, going forward. Sutton's just becoming a star. And he had uh, seventy-four yards, two touchdowns, twenty-three point four PPR points. He's he his first touchdown was just an absolutely ridiculous one-handed catch. And again, he's he's Sutton has kind of thrived under all three of the team's quarterbacks. You know, Joe Flacco, Brandon <laughs> Allen, Drew Lock, and and so he's kind of quarterback proof and match flourished
0: under subpar circumstances. And give yourself a pat on yeah. the back, DK, because you said that he would thrive whether it was. Uh, drew lock or brandon allen this week so there you go yeah i did not not believe you when you said that
1: the galaxy brain uh like the galaxy brain logic actually paid off this week if you listen to the friday show we talked about how (laughs) nothing looked good for sutton this week except for the fact that sutton is awesome and it absolutely paid off so to me drew lock you know it's it's it looks like he's gonna end up being the starter for the rest of the season they've got houston kc and detroit on tap Um, and to me, the biggest takeaway is, you know, you don't necessarily have to start Drew Locke in the playoffs, but I think you can feel good about Court and Sutton going forward. I was very
0: impressed by Drew Locke. I don't think I thought about him once between Halloween and the week of Thanksgiving. And then they were like, oh, we're going to activate Drew Locke of injured reserve. And he looked fine. Yeah. Which was actually kind of impressive after missing all the time that he did for a rookie.
1: He looked better than I thought he would look. I'll be honest. And, you know, obviously, like I said, his second half was not good, but... Um, you know, he was throwing the ball at zip. He was being aggressive and all that. And I liked what I saw, at least from, you know, start number one. And and it gave me some confidence going forward for him. Uh, going back, going back to the Jaguars, Gardner Minshew mania is back. Foles was benched at halftime after an atrocious first half. He had three turnovers, um, seven of 14 for 93 yards. They decided to go with, uh, to go back to Minshew. He, he is, and this was announced this morning. We were recording on Monday afternoon that, Minshew is the starter again in Jacksonville, kind of with the plan to be for him to finish the season. So unless he completely craters too, it's the Minshew show for the rest of the season in theory. Um, And I just thought he energized the offense. Like when he came in, they were immediately just crisper and better. He was, he's got that, you know, pocket mobility that kind of allows them to work with some of the issues they have on the offensive line. You know that game Dance Dance Revolution? (laughs) Yeah, I do, yeah. That's how Gardner
0: Minshew, like, Is in the pocket. He goes left, right, back, center, and it's. I can't believe his movements while keeping his eyes downfield for such a young player. It's the difference between him and Foles with like the pocket movement and making defenders miss is like night and day. It's unbelievable how he does that.
1: Oh, absolutely, and and I want to be clear before I say this, I'm not comparing him to Drew Brees, but the way he stands and sort of subtly moves around in the pocket almost reminds me a little bit of Brees. There's a huge, huge differences elsewhere. But to me, that was just one thing that kind of stood out. The way he kind of slides around, keeps his balance, you know, all that. There's, there's an element of that. That's why I think he's so much better for this Jaguars offense the way it's built right now. I think going forward, it will provide a boost for both DJ Chark and D.D. Westbrook, in theory. They have an actually really good schedule coming up. Not necessarily this week so much, going up against the Chargers defense, but in Week 15 and 16, which is the semis and the finals of your fantasy league, they're at Oakland and at Atlanta. So that, those two are very, very good matchups for that offense. Um, and so, yeah, Minshew could have some real huge effect kind of in the fantasy playoffs going forward. I, I'm confident that he'll be a lot better than Foles going forward. This is so great.
0: It's, it's also really satisfying, you know, beginning of the season because, you know, you want everything to wrap back around at a story, right? And it's just so fitting. You
1: know? It's great. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big Minshew fan, so...
0: Speaking of satisfying stuff, Andy Dalton on the Bengals comes back from being benched. He's fine. He's fine, which was an improvement. He's completed 22 of 37 passes, 243 yards, a touchdown, 13.3 fantasy points. It was fine. Could have had three t- passing touchdowns, but C.J. Zoma and Tyler Eifert both dropped touchdowns. Uh that was tough, and then that turned into a field goal and a Joe Mixon rushing touchdown. Bengals beat the Jets 22-6, to 6, which continues the Andy Dalton quarterback purgatory where he is just good <laughs> enough that they cannot replace him. Shout out Joe Bussell for that one. Quarterback purgatory, again, strikes. I cannot believe that the Bengals are about to go on a winning streak. I'm really excited. <laughs> DK, what did, what did you think of Dalton? What does he do for the rest of the Bengals? Not that I want to think too much about the Bengals.
1: Right. Uh, I think the main thing to, to take away from Dalton's return as the quarterback is, as the starter, I should say, is that Tyler Boyd's fantasy value comes back to life. I mean, he he was kind of a forgotten man for a few weeks there. I remember, I think he got like one target in a, one game a couple of weeks ago. Um, but he's back to being the go-to guy in that offense, at least pending A.J. Green's return if he ever comes back. And, and uh, coming back, Josh John Ross could kind of shake things up a little bit. But I think Overall, Tyler Boyd is the number one guy in that offense going forward. He's going to probably be running out of the slot, which is where he's most comfortable and most effective as a fantasy player. Uh, Ten targets this week, five catches, 59 yards, and a touchdown. And if you go back to weeks one through eight when Dalton was the starter for the Bengals, before they benched him for Ryan Finley following their week nine bye, uh, Boyd was quietly the wide receiver 16. So I think this returns Boyd to kind of that low-end wide receiver 2 area, and you can go ahead and start him with confidence at least this week and in week 16. Going up against New England in week 15 is a definitely a tough matchup. I'm not going to expect the Bengals to generate a whole lot of offense in that game, so you might want to avoid him in that one, but against Cleveland and Miami, um, I think that makes Boyd much more, for me, more confident starting him going forward.
0: And then last up, can we get a sound effect for Duck Hodges? Can we get like a quack quack? Mm, we'll
1: see. <whack>
2: <laughs> See how Duck busy my Hodges. Day is?
1: I want to hear. I want to hear a quick, Craig. What What do you think of Duck Hodges? Because my impression overall was that he is a clear upgrade over Mason Rudolph. Would you agree with that?
2: Definitely. I I, I just think his mobility. I, Mason Rudolph is like a big statue in the pocket, and he, and he one. He also feels just less accurate than Duck Hodges. Also, Duck Hodges is a way better name, and we all know my name. Theory. <laughs> he's kind of like Gardner Minshew, light a little bit. He's aggressive. He's more yeah, mobile. He kind of just. Well, I mean, flying car mentions that good, but he kind of just instills life. He kind of invigorates the offense just a little totally. bit more. He also put, totally. kills way more animals and puts it on Instagram. <laughs> that's neither here nor there.
0: You see James Washington and his hunting trip that they bonded over this week?
1: They're best friends. They went on a hunting trip together. Yeah, he took his, they really took bonded. James
0: Washington, Mason Rudolph's college buddy, just took his friend. It's like, that's really tough.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's really sad. Uh, but Doug Hodges going- is Mason Rudolph's guy you're not supposed to worry about. Also, Mike <laughs> Tomlin,
0: look. Miles Garrett tried to hit where he did hit Mason Rudolph with a helmet, but Mike Tomlin threw Mason Rudolph under the bus.
2: <laughs> when Did you see last week? When he was like, he won't kill us or Duck Hodges won't kill yeah. us. Yeah,
0: They benched Mason Rudolph last week and Mike Tomlin's like, well, Duck Hodges did not th- kill us over and over. I thought that was unbelievable that Tomlin said it.
1: Yeah. Tough love. That's pretty final. Doesn't it sound final to you? Like, well, oh, real, he's no. not... He threw four picks in the Browns game, and then
0: obviously everything was overshadowed by the final eight seconds. But the first 59 minutes and 52 seconds, Mason Rudolph was awful in that game. And he was awful again. So, Duck Hodges, it's more like he just couldn't be worse, to be quite honest.
1: (laughs) I don't think, I don't know if, like, Duck Hodges is destined to be a future starter in the NFL, but I think he's more decisive and aggressive with the football. Like, Rudolph was just a dump-off machine, and it kind of really neutered the the, uh, Steelers passing offense for the most part. And so, to me, this is big for James Washington in particular. James Washington in particular, just because you know they're best friends now, and they go on hunting trips together. And Washington is a good deep threat, and, and Hodges has shown the willingness to kind of go to him. And so he's been Washington has been heating up of late. Getting Juju back will be interesting because Smith Schuster is due back, you know, sometime soon, and that could shake things up. But to me. Washington is the clear kind of like go to guy in this offense, you know, until Juju comes back. And I think Hodges has a good chemistry with him and that's gonna be big. Next up, the Steelers have Arizona, which is a great matchup. Uh Buffalo, which is not a great matchup for them. It's a good defense. And then in week sixteen, the fantasy finals, uh, New York Jets, which looks like a pretty good matchup. So, you know, Steelers could be pretty, you know, big impact down the stretch.
0: Love it. Also Jamal Adams safety for the Jets. Sprained ankle this week is out. And we'll see if Jets players start missing more of those games down the stretch.
1: Uh, Adam
0: Gase. Mood in the locker room is not so great for that. I far. mean, it's neither here nor there,
1: points. but they have to fire Gase, right? I would. It, they're not going to, but man, I don't know. Anyways, this is off topic. Let's move on. Let's go to right, next man, man
0: up. up. Next topic up. <laughs> next man up. Let's go through some introduced in the weekend. Greg Olson, tight end for the Panthers. Greg Olson uh, suffered concussion in the second half. Panthers 29 to 21 loss to Washington. Uh veteran tight end is in the concussion protocol. And if he can't play next week against the Falcons, his backups, Ian Thomas, Ian Thomas has been pretty solid uh, filling in for Olsen the last couple of years. He had 24 yards on four catches in relief of Olsen last week. DK, would you add Ian Thomas if your tight end need?
1: Yeah, I would. If you know, especially if you have Olsen, just to kind of figure out what's going on. Olsen could come back next week. We don't really know. Um, but last year, Thomas, came on strong late in the season. He got 25 passes for 246 yards and two touchdowns in week 12 through 16. And, you know, if he's, if he comes in in relief of Olsen, he could be a big part of that offense. He could be, you know, a pretty big focal point of that offense. Obviously he hasn't done anything with Olsen in the lineup, which has been kind of a surprise this season. I think a lot of people were kind of hoping he would be a bigger part of the offense. Um, But if Olsen misses time, I think Thomas is definitely startable. So, He's kind of a speculative ad to see how Olsen progresses this week, goes through the concussion protocol. And so, um, yeah, check him out on the waiver wire if you have an extra spot on your, on your roster.
0: Yeah, and it's not just Olsen that's a surprise. It's the Panthers' offense that you can't keep track of. They lose to Washington. They only dropped 21 on them. A week after, they almost beat the New Orleans Saints. And then that's a week after they scored three points against the Falcons. And that was a week after they came half of an inch of Christian McCaffrey almost tying the game against the Packers. So you got. Yeah. I mean, they dropped 30 in the Titans. Almost beat the Packers. Crushed by the Falcons. Almost beat the Saints. Lose to Washington, which was their only real win of the season, because Washington beat the Dolphins on a play where the Dolphins didn't convert a two-point conversion. So it's just the Panthers as a whole under this Kyle Allen has just become yeah. kind of this roller coaster. So that's really the ride. But on the weeks that it's fine, you know, the Panthers are playing the Falcons again this week, so we'll see. But it, the whole Panthers experience has just been bumpy.
2: Um, next <laughs> yeah. up
0: running back Kalen Balaj for the Dolphins Balaj was carted off the field in the first half with a leg injury did not return uh, was replaced by Patrick Laird who was taken on a, a cult-like status in certain corners of the <laughs> fantasy football underworld Laird, this year Laird
1: season yeah he
0: looked good I don't know if he's ha- it's fine. Uh, it's kind of a meme. Patrick Laird carried the ball 10 times for five yards, rousing.
1: Truly Balazs numbers there on the uh, ground. Oh, yeah. my God.
0: I, li- I like his hands. Kid had good hands, ran good routes. Unlike <laughs> 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 Caitlin Blush, he has it. Um, Laird had, yeah, so 10 carries, five yards. He scored a touchdown, though. Also caught four passes for 43 yards. Dolphins beat the Eagles 37 to 31. Good Lord. My
1: God. Pray My for God.
0: Philadelphia. Yeah. Everything's gloomy in Philly. Miles um, Gaskin is also running back that could carve out more early down work. But DK, what do you really want? Patrick Laird in your team? What do you, would you, no, I mean, in?
1: ideally you're not starting Patrick Laird in your fantasy playoffs. However, if you have an injury situation or if you really need to plug someone into your flex spot in a PPR league, Laird could be worth a look. I mean, he's got double-digit points in two out of the last three weeks. He's probably going to be the Dolphins' number one going forward if, if Balazs is out. And, you know, he's been reliable, I guess, is the word you could say, uh, in the passing game. He's been a guy that they can use in dump-off situations. And and in PPR leagues, I mean, he's going to be able to rack up four or five, you know, catches in a game. That, that's a good kind of floor for him. So I'm not excited about Laird, but... He's going to get the volume. He's going to be the passing game guy in that offense. And so if you're desperate at the flex spot, that's that's a guy you can definitely pick up this week. All right. Running back, Darrell Williams
0: on the Kansas City Chiefs. Darrell Williams suffered a non-contact injury. The team called it a hamstring injury, did not return to the game. Damian Williams was already out with a rib injury. So it was just Darrell, LaShawn McCoy, and Doran Thompson. Then Darrell went out, and LaShawn McCoy had five carries for 10 yards and a touchdown. Darwin Thompson had 11 carries for 44 yards and a touchdown, picked up the slack in the Kansas City backfield on the back end of the game, mostly in the fourth quarter. DK, yeah, yeah. would you add Darwin Thompson or Dwell? What do you want to do with the Chiefs backfield that's been confounding the whole year?
1: Yeah, I w- so I'm saying it's like Laird. Like If you need, have a need and you have a question mark at your flex spot, Darwin Thompson is an interesting speculative ad to me this week, and I think he definitely should be sort of high on the priority list. But at the same time, don't expect a lot, you know, because we still don't know exactly what's going on with the injury situation. Is Damian Williams going to be coming back? Would they turn to LaShawn McCoy next to be kind of the lead guy? We've seen him on load management over the last few weeks, we don't exactly know what's going on with that. Darwin Thompson has looked good in the limited amount of action that he's gotten, but he's a rookie, like six-rounder, so you can't really expect a ton from him, bottom line. So, To me, I'm like, I'm picking up Thompson just if these injuries progress and and keep going. And he's like going to be the starter in that backfield. And I think we'll learn more about kind of his role later in this week. Um, But you got to claim him now if your waivers are, you know, Tuesday night or whatever. You got to get in there and kind of just hold on to him and see what happens. Because, uh, you know, right now there's just not enough information with what's going on with Damian Williams and Lashawn McCoy.
0: I'm dubious about Darwin's prospects as like getting most of the Kansas City snaps. First, him having a nice yeah, game last week. Yeah. It's a good story. Like it's nice. It's he learned on Sunday morning that his high school football coach passed away after complications from ALS. And then he goes out, had his best game of his pro career so far. He had his first touchdown. So that's nice. And like I think he's like an easy guy to kind of root for, it seems. But he entered the game with eight touches on 21 offensive snaps. So he's never had more than five snaps in a single game until this week. Right. And then Thompson's name didn't even show up in the box score until the third quarter when he had a holding penalty that nullified a (laughs) 32-yard touchdown pass. And then entering the season, Andy Reid kind of alluded to the reason Darwin Thompson was not getting playing time was the little things that, like pass blocking, which... I don't know if you noticed, Patrick Mahomes had an ankle injury all year. They kind of need someone who can pass block effectively. So not good. He's getting a holding penalty when that was the concern. He didn't get a carry until the fourth quarter, and all 11 of his touches came on one drive. They all came on the Kansas City's final drive. And then the touchdown came when the Raiders had 10 men on the field for the touchdown. The Chiefs
2: have, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, the
0: Chiefs have been rotating backs on drives all year. Sometimes it's a three and out, and sometimes it's like a 14-play drive that leads to a touchdown. I think that this might have just been – they were dominating the Raiders. They were up like thirty-one, nothing or something. The Raiders. I think both teams were kind of like trying to get off the field. The Chiefs ran it down the throat, but I don't think that indicates future playing time as much as the Raiders got crushed. Right. And I just think that he was on the he was the running back on the drive for that uh, on the field for that drive, and if it was someone else, they also could have scored. So I'm not convinced Darwin Thompson's going to be the guy, and I don't think I would shell out for him in waivers unless I really was needed a running back badly.
1: Right. That's fair. And you know what? Their matchup this week, the Patriots, it's tough. So, like, there's a lot of variables there that kind of make me, I'm, I'm with you, I'm a little bit dubious about his overall value. I'm still, like, if you have a spot on your roster, like, go for it and see how things kind of shake out during the, during the week because he has shown explosiveness in the preseason and in and, and very limited action, so... You know, if he's a starter in that offense, that's that's definitely an intriguing thing. And the thing, Chiefs but.
0: running backs are so damned if they do or damned if they don't this year yeah. or this week against the Pats because Sean McCoy has been benched multiple times because he fumbles. That's a disaster against this Patriots defense. And Darwin Thompson's had issues with blitz pickups. So God forbid, like the Patriots are doing cover zero. So if, uh, that's such a nightmare for Andy Reid to have to decide who's going to be on the field for either one of those things.
1: I will say... It would be fun to see Darwin Thompson matched up against some of the Patriots' big linebackers because I think he could exploit them in the passing game. But um, yeah, it, I doubt that he's going to have a huge, huge role in this game.
0: Hold on one second. I hear the dog's barking. Yeah, my
1: back. dog is barking. Sorry about that. <laughs> that's all right. What's his name? Uh, it's a she. It's Lola. She's probably barking at the mailman because that's what she does.
0: Oh, your dog actually
1: barks at the mailman.
0: I thought that was just like a like a Yeah. It's like a, like a she, sitcom. Yeah.
1: That she gets her hackles up. She gets all mad. She's very, very nice. She's the sweetest dog you'd imagine, but she's got a, kind of a big, bassy, scary bark. Just don't bring mail to DK's house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, sorry about that. We can we can move on. Beautiful. Well, before we move on,
0: let's take a quick break to talk about FanDuel. The Ringer NFL Show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, now available in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Indiana. FanDuel Sportsbook wants to know what you'd bet if you knew you could not lose. You want to bet Saints versus 49ers this week? Chiefs-Patriots? How much of Craig's week was spent looking at Devontae Parker's numbers? Over under 18 and a half hours. But here's the thing. This is not a thought experiment. This is for real. That is right. Right now, FanDuel is giving new users their first bet risk-free. That means you can place any bet, and FanDuel will refund you up to 500 bucks in site credit if you do not win. When was the last time your bookie gave you a do-over? Didn't think so. To claim your risk-free bet, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app from the iOS App Store, or visit FanDuel.com Android, and be sure to use the promo code RINGERNFL so they know we sent you. That's promo code RINGERNFL to get your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. And now the legal stuff. You must be 21 plus and physically present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, or West Virginia. Applies to first wager only. First wager must be placed within seven days of sign up. Max refund $500. Refund issued as a non-withdrawable site credit and expires 14 days after receipt. Terms apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, let's get into some deceiving yards. Who's fool's gold and who is for real? Who had a big game and who are you and are you buying it or not?
1: Uh, Darius Geis of the Redskins kind of broke out. 10 rushes, 129 yards, two touchdowns, added a couple of catches for eight yards, scored 27.7 PPR points. He absolutely beasted through, I don't remember who, a guy, he stiff-armed him to the ground and kind of just, like, stood over him, looking at him for a half a second before moving on. It was great. Guys looked like the guy that we saw at LSU, just kind of breaking tackles and, and wrecking havoc all over the defense. It was really fun to watch. Um, however, he did everything on 10 carries, which is probably not, you know, translatable going forward. He's going to need more volume to kind of get into that, 20 plus point PPR range, I would think. Peterson actually outcarried him 13 to 10, out snapped him 23 to 20. So Adrian Peterson is still kind of ahead of him, I guess, in that offense, Um, even though Geiss has looked awesome. And I think he's starting to work his way a little bit more into the offense gradually. But um, I think overall, I don't want to expect, I don't think we should expect what we saw this last week, every week for Geis. You what, 12.9
0: on... yards per carry? You don't think you're going to see that again?
1: <laughs> Thank you. That Yes, that putting it that way, I think that's fair to say. Um, He does get a super soft point of this week in the Packers, who have been terrible versus opposing running backs this season, giving up the sixth most fantasy points per game in PPR and fifth most in standard. So definitely a really good matchup this week. And if they start to expand his usage, he could certainly break out again. But I'm very leery about his volume overall. I think that he's still just a lower-end RB2-slash-flex-type play um, until he takes over in a bigger role for the Redskins. Because, I mean, the Redskins' offense has just been pretty hit-or-miss also. And so, you know, I'm just a little bit leery about that volume.
0: And the other issue is that Washington was in a position to bleed the clock, which they've been in how many times this year? (laughs) Right, right, right. One of the worst teams in the league. They're 3-9, and so there's not many opportunities for them to be like, oh, well, we got to bleed this clock so we can, like, escape with this lead. So that's, I think, the bigger issue is how many times are they going to be running and do they really feel that Geis is the guy they want in the backfield and passing downs? Having said that, really a, a fantastic skill set. He's also a very yeah, high IQ great. runner, really kind of sees the chessboard as he's going. It, it, to be able to understand that and process that in the moment, it's a very hard and underrated quality and also great for someone who's not played that many NFL games. So props yeah. to various Geis.
1: Yeah, love guys. I think people who have him in Dynasty are probably just soaring right about now because he, he looks awesome, and I think his future is definitely bright. Coming off that injury, he looks like he's back to how he was in college, so that's really fun to watch. Wonderful. Someone
0: who had a big game that I do not think is going to happen again. <laughs> the Rams offense. Are they back? Rams trounced Arizona 34-7. to Jared Goff. 32 completions on 43 attempts for 424 yards and two touchdowns. Number four quarterback of the week in fantasy. He had 323 passing yards at halftime. Yeah. Could have probably challenged for like the single game passing yards record if the Rams didn't start running and then eventually put Blake Bortles in. They were up like 34 to nothing at that point. Jared Goff had 25 fantasy points on Sunday. In the entire month of November, he had 13.3. Oh my God. So Jared
1: Goff,
0: and then there's Robert Woods, who had 19 targets, hello, for 13 catches and 172 yards. The number two wide receiver in PPR, 30.2 points. Robert Woods had 131 yards after the catch, which is the second most by any player in 2019, and the second most by a Ram in 13 years. 131 yards after the catch. Is the Rams offense back, DK?
1: (laughs) It's rhetorical. No, they're not. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, because we have this doc we read off, and and Danny just writes no with a period. (laughs) They're not. Yeah. Oh, you just
0: pull people behind the curtain. You got to preserve some magic, DK. (laughs) But seriously, the Cardinals offense allows the most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks in the league. They've allowed the most passing touchdowns, 31. They've allowed the most passing yards per game. 325 passing yards per game is the average against the Cardinals. The next closest team, the second worst is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're at 300 yards per game. There's a full point per game in fantasy quarter. That's 25 yards. That's a point per game between the 32nd and 31st pass defenses. That is incredible. Also, yeah. Arizona leads the league in missed tackles. They have exactly 100 missed tackles this year. No wonder Robert Woods, Bobby Trees, as he's known here, <laughs> sh- like kept shaking them for all these missed tackles. Uh, the Rams' next three games, Seahawks, Cowboys, 49ers. That is progressively just better defense after better defense <laughs> as yeah. we go into the pa- the fantasy playoffs. I do not like the Rams to be able to keep any of this up. I would rather look at the Cardinals' next three opponents who are the Steelers in Week 14, the Browns in Week 15, the Seahawks in Week 16. Nick Chubb and the Browns in Week 15 and Kareem Hunt, those are two of the highest-rated players in Pro Football Focus's elusive rating, which is a fancy way of saying broken tackles. And again, the Cardinals are among the worst tackling team in the league. And then Chris Carson, if he's still getting carries, we're recording this before Monday Night Football, we don't know. <laughs> in week 16, that could be a huge play against a team that can't tackle. He's also rated very highly in elusive ratings. So I would much rather keep targeting the Cardinals for every reason than believing anything about the Rams.
2: So is there any Ram player that you believe in going forward? Is there any, Who would you rather have, Cup, Woods, or Gurley going forward? Uh, probably
0: Cup. I mean, I think Woods had a great game and was fantastic here, but I would probably want Cooper Cup. I still think he's the... Most steady
2: guy in that offense. Do you buy them leaning on Gurley as we head towards the playoffs, like they kind of said they would?
0: No, (laughs) I don't. What about you, DK?
2: I mean, I think they.
1: I think that Gurley is going to gradually. I think they've. The the reason they had him on load management throughout the season is because they wanted to have him fresh down the down the stretch. And I think that that's the plan. I think that they will try and use him. The question is, can they actually run the ball against a good defense? Because you know, obviously they've they've had terrible offensive line play all year. And it's really hamstrung, hamstringed, hamstrung. Their offense the entire season, obviously, Goff. You know what I was looking at Goff didn't have a touchdown pass since week eight before on before Sunday. He hadn't he hadn't cracked double digits in fantasy since week eight.
0: Yeah, when you can't move the ball, gurley's not gonna have much to do with this offense. It's not even it's nothing against Todd Gurley. I love what Todd Gurley, love watching Todd Gurley. I hope he's fully healthy and productive and wonderful. I just don't think this offense. And specifically, this offensive line is able to protect Goff, and I don't think Goff can facilitate a productive offense when he's under pressure all the time. Yeah, and the whole yeah. thing's good. their offense has unraveled, and don't let crushing the worst defense in football change uh, how we feel about the whole team and the first ten weeks we saw. Craig. What do you think about who's deceiving you, Craig, this week?
2: I was just, you know, I had trouble this week finding anybody who deceived us. I feel like we all know so much now. We know all the backups. We kind of know who has big games and quiet games. But I was just kind of looking around at defenses, and I noticed that the Bucks' defense over the last two weeks has outscored every defense in fantasy, which is quite contrary to what we normally would think about <laughs> Tampa Bay's defense. Yeah. They've had 39 fantasy points in the last two weeks. And from weeks 5 to 11, they had 13 total. Um, they played That's at, pretty crazy. I know. They played Atlanta and Jacksonville in the last two weeks, so that does contribute to it a little bit. But I kind of just wanted to throw this to you guys. The next two weeks, they have the Colts and the Lions, and the Lions will, I think, most likely be quarterbacked by David Blau. Is, that his, is it Blau? I think. Who, I got to be honest, kind of like David Blau on Thanksgiving. I don't know what it was. <laughs> I don't know if it was the turkey, the tryptophan. I was a mess. But I kind of like David Blau. Um, I basically wanted to come to you guys with... The question of is the Bucks defense half decent? They've given up the second most passing yards, but also the second fewest rushing yards. They got eleven sacks in the last two games. They force a lot of fumbles. They score a lot of touchdowns. Can you rely on them if you're one of those guys who streams defenses every week?
1: Oh man, that's tough. Well, so I'll just say this: their defensive front is pretty solid. They got Sue obviously. Vita Vea has been playing really well, and they have a, a really good linebacking crew. Devin White, the rookie uh, linebacker, is playing out of his mind of late. They also have Levante David, who is a perennial All-Pro. Uh, their main issue, I think, has been sort of the outside pass rush and cornerback play. Their their secondary is just really young and, and inexperienced and just has been getting burned. But I think we we finally started to kind of see that group you know, come together and start to play a little bit better as the season's gone on. So I wouldn't say that I'm confident in the Buccaneers' defense going forward, but they've got some playmakers and... They've kind of gelled together as the season goes has gone on. I think their secondary is starting to finally, you know, kind of kind of come together because it's like all first and second year guys in that secondary.
2: Hi Fitz, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's
0: easy to forget they have Indama Sue and then also that Jason Pierre Paul is back playing for that team, and those are two pretty kind of similar guys who we were absolutely dominant four or five years ago that now are older, but. Still, really talented guys to have along your line, and now uh, they're healthier than they have been in, along up front in quite some time. So that part's not super shocking, but as DK said, they're just really inexperienced on in the back end. And Todd Bowles is the coordinator, so you would hope that they would get better over time. But I'm not, I'm not holding up my hopes that they're going to. This is <laughs> replicable. I think that oh, the rushing defense is they have given up the second least rushing yards because it's so easy to throw on them. Not necessarily because they're super intimidating. So we are deceived. We have reached a verdict Speaking of deceiving You mentioned tryptophan There's not enough tryptophan in a turkey To put a baby to sleep The reason you pass out is because Everyone eats like 3,000 calories of carbohydrates (laughs) So let's end this tryptophan deception right now Big tryptophan has been putting on A successful PR campaign for 30 years I'm tired of it you Just myth-busting myth
1: right here. You know right what, here? though? Wow. Don't
2: piggyback like this is your idea. Everybody knows that. This has been myth-busted for they? years <laughs> now. This was like a fifth grade elementary school idea about the tryptophan. Everybody knows about the tryptophan. We're good. Look, this if is not 90% your idea. of
0: our listeners are <laughs> like, yeah, I already knew that, and 10% are like, holy what? Then you know what? That was worth it. We got to root out disinformation. In I don't society. know if I really
1: knew that, Danny. I'll be
2: honest. See, there you go. One in three. Cool. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> it's fun dinner party conversation. That's about it.
0: Well, hopefully yeah. it's a fun podcast conversation.
2: Moving on. The guy you're not
0: supposed to worry about. Just like, don't worry about the trip to fan. The guy you're not supposed to worry about.
2: Craig. Who are you not worried about? Prashad Perriman. I, I'm not worried He's about Prashad Perriman but he might be back <laughs> I don't know he had five catches for 87 yards he led the Bucks in catches along with OJ Howard oh, who we're gosh. not going to talk about we're going to let that sit over there he had five catches we're going to let it go but Prashad <laughs> Perriman had more yards today than he did during the first nine weeks of his uh, season combined <laughs> more importantly that's this, that's is, really this is this is the first game that Mike Evans or Chris Godwin did not have a touchdown or put up 74 yards and Perriman did both of those things. Um, um,
0: the, the vaunted 74-yard mark.
2: Well, okay, it could have been 75. That would have sounded a lot better, but the one guy had 75 yards one time, so he had to say 74 <laughs> well, in doing my research. but So, yeah, they're playing the Colts next week, as I just mentioned when talking about the Bucs D. Perriman is 0% owned, and he's kind of, kind of <laughs> popped up over the second half of the season. He's got 26 targets in his last six games. So my question to you guys is, has Brashad Perriman settled into the number three receiving spot in Tampa Bay? And if Evans or Godwin, God forbid, went down, would you add Brashad Perriman?
1: I don't think I would. So every other week for the most part this season, it's just been funnel to Godwin and Evans. And so to me, this feels more like an outlier game. And for whatever reason, they just couldn't funnel it to those two guys. But I would probably bank more on, on them returning to just like targeting the hell out of Evans and Godwin and I think anybody else in that offense like for a while Scotty Miller was kind of starting to emerge a little bit as a deep threat um, and we've talked about O.J. Howard a few times on this offense it just never kind of happened.
2: Yeah, so what would you rather have Perriman or O.J. Howard? O.J. Probably
1: Howard. O.J. Howard. Nice. For it's those who don't thinner. for
0: those who are not blessed to know Rashad Perriman The Ravens drafted him in the first round of 2015, and he played. He had four starts in his first three seasons in Baltimore. He had a a litany of injuries, but also the rare times when he was healthy made zero impact. One of the least productive first round receivers of this decade. Went to Cleveland last year, washed out there again, just two games. So his first four NFL seasons, he played six games. And then this season ends up as the number three receiver in Tampa Bay, with, which is, without exaggeration, probably the best number three job you could ask for because you're in a Bruce Arians offense behind Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and O.J. Howard, at least in theory, was going to be playing tight end. So you are, it's such an amazing opportunity to be the downfield threat in a downfield offense where you're going to be seeing a lot of single coverage. And I think that it speaks to how poorly Brashad Perriman has played, that he has not been able to do anything with this opportunity until this week. I don't know. You kind of talked him up there for a second. <laughs> I'm saying the opportunity is incredible. And most receivers would have been able to make an impact because when they're giving so much attention to Chris Godwin, so much to Mike Evans. And in reality, James Winston should probably be targeting Brashad Perriman because he should be able to get open, right? He has not been able to get open. They've been force-feeding the ball to Godwin and and uh, Mike Evans over and
2: over. Yeah, so Perriman, I, he's in that Kevin White, Corey Coleman kind of category. Yes, Kevin White is the cop. Yes, precisely.
1: Are yeah. Are you? Are you? Do you have the cojones to start Brashad Perriman this week in the fantasy playoffs? No, great?
2: what is wrong with you? I'm only asking if, you know, this is the guy you're not supposed to worry about. <laughs> I mean, no one was supposed to worry about Brashad Perriman this week. Would you have expected him to outscore Evans you and Godwin? You said his ownership no. percentage was what? Zero. I would leave it there.
1: Okay. DK, who's your guy that's not supposed to worry about? Just to tie a bow on that, yeah. I okay. think <laughs> Evans and Godwin are going to return to their status as the funnel, funnel targets in that offense going forward. Um, my guy this week, Robbie Anderson of the Jets. Dude did it again. 10 targets, 7 catches, 101 yards, 17.1 PPR points. That follows up a nice performance last week where he had 5 targets, 4 catches, 86 yards, and a touchdown, 18.6 PPR points. Meanwhile... Another dud for Jamison Crowder. My guy, I was really disappointed. He did have nine targets, but only caught two of them for eight yards, 2.8 PPR points. Follows up a 3.8 point week last week. Uh, I saw Scott Fish mention this on Twitter. Actually, only one time this year, in one game this year, has Robbie Anderson and Jamison Crowder both top 40 yards in the same game. Only once this year, have both scored more than eight PPR points. So it's very much either or for Robbie Anderson and Jamison Crowder. So the question is, How do you decide who is going to be the guy in any given week? I just don't really know what to do with either of these guys. Frankly, I don't have confidence to start either of these guys.
2: They're kind of just a really bad version of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. (laughs)
1: Seriously. (laughs) Yeah, so...
2: Rashad Perriman would be the perfect Jet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Darnold got cold again this last week. Uh, He's been, you know, really very hit and miss. However, the team does get Miami next week. So it's a very good matchup in theory for the New York passing game. However, I just, I don't know. I personally, I'm staying away from both of these when guys. You lose, so. When the
0: Jets are the one that loses to the winless Dolphins and then you lose to the winless Bengals, you get, there are no more like looks good on paper anymore. That's it. They lost the two best <laughs> possible games on paper. Right. So right. that was nice while it lasted. Jets are dead to me. <laughs> Fair, All right, fair. my guy. You're not supposed to worry about Raheem Mostert, running back for the San Francisco 49ers. It's Mostert,
1: Mostert. Yeah, I knew that. And or Moster, just what do you uh, mean, the, and or? I I can't remember. Someone, so I have uh, a, <laughs> I have some sources within the uh, 49ers uh, journalistic world. Ooh, and yeah, and so I I got a couple people telling me that you were pronouncing it incorrectly, Danny. So. Just FYI.
0: Glad you let me know on the podcast and not behind the scenes. Thanks.
1: Tim. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, you know, it's a learning experience. Peel back the old uh, curtain here. All We're right. all Curtains,
0: Curtains all the way back. Raheem Mostert running back for the San Francisco 49ers. 19 carries, 146 yards and a touchdown and a long run of 40 yards. Meanwhile, Tevin Coleman, five carries, six yards, longest run, two yards amazing uh Moster was monster was playing amazing damn it matt Breida was out in this game with an ankle injury and figured that monster might be able to sl- slip in behind tevin coleman monster might be just be the starter and the 49ers have the second most rushing attempts in the whole league after baltimore so yeah. this is a massive opportunity monster leads all running backs with 5.9 yards per carry that is amazing he leads he's second only to lamar jackson in the category he is one of six running backs with a pro football focus elusive rating above 80, and that's a fancy way of saying they basically calculate how many missed tackles you have on, run, on, uh, on runs and uh, receptions, and they divide them by how many people you make miss and the yardage from that. The people who have an elusive rating above 80 are Josh Jacobs, Chris Carson, Alvin Kamara, Mostert, and Nick Chubb. It's quite the group. That Ooh. is for a minimum of 90 carries this season. There are 38 running backs that have a minimum of 90 carries. Tevin Coleman ranks 35th of the 38 players. <laughs> He's yeah. only ahead of Devonte Freeman, Sony, Michelle, and Frank Gore. So again, Tevin Coleman's elusiveness around Devante Freeman, Sony, Michelle, and Frank Gore. Mostert's elusiveness is along with Alvin Kamara, and Nick Chubb. So, the 49ers have three running backs with more than 450 yards this season with Breida, Mostert, and Coleman. But Tevin Coleman and Breida are mostly picking up the yards that are blocked for them by San Francisco's line because Breida's not actually that far ahead of Coleman in elusive this rating. He's also outside the top 30. But meanwhile, Mostert's adding all these yards and making people miss on top of the blocking he gets. So I think he might have earned the lead back duties for San Francisco.
1: Yeah, like he might be the best running back on that team. That's amazing. So he's fast. He's very, very fast. I would do <laughs> anything
0: you can to get Raheem Mostert. He's owned in not enough leagues. I'm like kicking myself
1: it. because there was a, a couple of weeks ago, I remember seeing him on the waiver wires in a couple different leagues. I was like, oh, he's behind two guys, you know, like I wasn't super, you know, convinced or whatever at the time. I'm like, man, I'm just kicking myself because. Yeah, like you're saying, he might actually kind of finish out the season as their number one guy. I think they're going to try and ride the hot hand, and right now, he's the guy that has the hot hand, so
0: damn. <laughs> yeah, he's only owned in 14% of leagues, so what is that? One out of six. So go get Raheem Mostert. He's the number one guy I would add this week. I would add him <laughs> way ahead of Darwin Thompson, Kalen Balaj. God knows Patrick Laird. Uh, <laughs> any of those guys that you would add this week I personally have, have Raheem Mostert number one by a ton what about you D.K.
1: Oh uh, yeah I think so I agree I, I, I'm still picking up Darwin if Mostert Mostert isn't there just because you know there's that, that elite upside in theory but yeah I'm way more optimistic about what Mostert can do Beautiful. All right, let's get into
0: sleeper stream of the week. We're each going to pick one fantasy flex each week. So that's a running back receiver tight end owned in less than 40% of leagues. The person with the most points that week gets the win person with the most wins is going to make the loser grow a Gardner Minshew mustache beard, which not back in flavor back in season with the Gardner Minshew mania beard, whatever he's got there. <laughs> I'm excited last week. Actually, it's not settled yet because I picked someone on Monday to football DK is Randall Cobb for uh, Dallas Cowboys. He had 8.8 points on Thanksgiving. Rashad Penny. I have Rashad Penny. He is still TBD tonight versus Minnesota. We will see. I assume that I have won already. (laughs) So people listening to this, you can bask in my victory because obviously he had a great game. And then Craig had Mecole Hardman, which Craig, you want to read how Mecole Hardman did? Even
2: the greats fall sometimes. (laughs) <laughs> One carry for nine yards. That's I'm just so hard I'm just
1: it. so excited that we finally uh, you know knocked Craig down a peg because he was starting to get a little bit cocky there for a while.
0: Scoreboard. So Craig has four, and I'm just going to assume that I won this week. So I'm just going to update this now. So I'm <laughs> tied with DK because Rashad shot Penny. So I'm excited. Yeah, we'll, for that. So there we'll you go. revisit. So we
1: win. We'll revisit if if it does need to be changed. But yeah, it's I'm really ass, assuming Penny's going to out out 8.8 fantasy points around Cobb. Yeah, obviously. Well, let's not even tune in. Let's just give
0: me the win now. DK, who are you going with this week? Because your flex owned in under 40% of leagues that you're rolling with this in week 14.
1: I'm going with Anthony Miller, the Bears, owning 14% of Yahoo! Leagues. Going up against the Cowboys this week, he's gotten 33 targets in the last three games. He's been a much bigger part of that passing offense over the last few weeks. Um, Coming off a game, 13 targets, 9 catches, 140 yards, 23 PPR points. He led the Bears, actually, in receptions, targets, and receiving yardage in that game. So... He's trending up in the right direction. He's a guy that I've always really liked going back to when he was taken in the draft. He's been very up and down this season. The Bears offense has been very, very up and down, but I think he's been a much bigger part of that passing game, and, and Trubisky, bless his heart, has been really looking to Miller a lot.
0: <laughs> That's my favorite. For, yeah, you know what? Bless Mitchell Trubisky's heart. You're damn right, D.K. <laughs> uh, who do you got? I'm rolling with Raheem Mostert for, Mostert for everything I just said. Yeah. Uh, they're playing the Saints this week, and I think he's I think he's gonna lead the team in, in touches. And even if he's second, like I think there's it's a lot of touches to get for the San Francisco offense.
1: That, that's that's it. I, I I like this one. I'm I'm already kind of pissed off that you got mustered in this one, but excited
2: yeah. for a winning streak. Craig, who are you rolling with? I'm gonna go with AJ Brown, uh, the Titans. Since Tannehill's replaced Mariota, AJ Brown is averaging a respectable five targets and fifty-four yards. Nothing crazy, but he kind of has that that dual ability to kind of He's kind of a big play threat guy and also kind of a underneath guy, which I like. In this streamer of the week thing, you got to shoot for the stars. That's why I went McCall Hardman last week. I'm just hoping <laughs> for that 60-yard bomb like A.J. Brown gets, like McCall Hardman gets, and then I'm just locked in. I need one play to beat you guys. And uh, they're playing the Raiders this week, who let up, I think, more big plays than any other secondary in the NFL. So unless my worry is that they give the ball to Derrick Henry 48 times, and they win 48-0. to zero. <laughs> But if that doesn't happen and the Raiders can keep it respectable, I like A.J. Brown's chances.
1: Dude, Tannehill is still balling. I know. I'm loving this. I wrote about Tannehill last week at TheRinger.com, and I was really impressed with just how he's played. He's he's sort of a very high-level game manager because he's not asked to throw the ball a ton. Like you said, they they definitely lean on Henry as— the foundation of that passing offense, but he's so good on play action and bootlegs and all these things. Um, you know, adds a little bit of his legs. Tannehill's just awesome. He, he's actually still owned, I believe in less than 40% of leagues too. So he's another guy to pick up. We can't do stream. We can't do quarterback streamers, unfortunately, but um, in, in this competition of ours, but he's definitely another guy that you can stream going forward.
0: Whenever I watch Ryan Tannehill run, I feel like that's how Ryan Fitzpatrick thinks he looks when he runs.
2: <laughs> oh, that's a great call. Because Ryan Fitzpatrick
1: always
0: just wants to lower his shoulder and all he wants to do is prove he can outpower a linebacker over the goal line. Meanwhile, Ryan Tannehill actually does it like every week.
1: Did you guys know that Ryan Tannehill used to be a receiver? I did. That was uh, that was sarcasm. That's like the biggest cliche. But no. he, he, he is a very good athlete is the point.
2: Who knew the Titans would be fun?
1: Who knew? They were literally maybe the most boring team in the beginning of the season. I think we should
0: have uh, known this when Mike Vrabel grew that porn stash. <laughs> That's probably should have been the first clue. (laughs) All right, let's go to Fantasy Court. Do you have a fantasy football dispute that needs litigation? Is there a question that only outside counsel can solve? Take it to Fantasy Court on the Fantasy Football Podcast and the Ringer NFL Show Facebook page.
2: Bailiff Craig. Do you have a case for us? I do. This comes from Jared Ishkanian. He actually tweeted me this. He asked, Should leagues limit weekly transactions? Ours does not. It's a 12-team league. And this week, Team A picked up and then rapidly dropped seven players on Sunday, blocking Team B from any decent late ad wide receivers to replace Thielen. Should we change these rules next year? So, so I'm assuming dumb. he means that when you, so he, you quickly add and drop to then put your players on waiver. Is that what he, yeah. Mean? Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's so my, that's
1: my assumption is because then it's, they'd get, uh, those players that are rapidly dropped and then have to, you have to wait like till the next day, I guess, or what, what, however their waivers work in that league. Um, so that, if make, making them out unavailable. that no one can
0: pick yeah. a, no one could pick up a replacement. I think this is called, there is previous case literature on this. There, there's <laughs> uh common law here. There's, this is called cycling, I believe. It is, if not forbidden, intensely frowned upon in fantasy baseball, where it comes up often <laughs> for people who need a spot start on Sundays, and then it's people just pick up and drop the the pitchers on Sundays. Like, <laughs> so, like, look, this is there's the the most generous possible reading here, is like legal but fucked up.
2: Uh, I agree historically I've been more irreverent in all of these cases but in this one this is a faux pas I think you should limit how many people you can add oh you definitely do the question is can you just like you know what I would be in
0: favor look there are times where we all believe in a strong executive and there are times where we believe in mob rule in a fantasy and I think one of the fun parts of fantasy is realizing where your friends fall on that spectrum (laughs) (laughs) but in this case I would be okay with the commissioner overruling this and being like making all those reverting those guys back to free agents that can be added because yeah. this is kind of yeah. BS. This is just abusing the system as a loophole purely to take advantage of a rule. It's not about a mistake or it's not, you know, bad faith. That's it's the, not, yeah. yeah, it's not unethical,
2: but it's immoral for sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, this actually reminds me of a question I wanted to ask you guys. This is not like something you need to rule on. I'm just curious what your preference is. Do you guys like leagues where, After the first waiver run is over, so like say you have a waiver run on Tuesday, do you guys like leagues that are first come first serve from that point on during the rest of the week? In other words, if you after that first waiver run, you can pick up and drop guys willy nilly. You don't have anyone else go back on waivers, Um, and from that point on, everybody is basically just free game, like fair, fair play, fair game at that point. Or do you guys prefer to have rolling waivers either several times a week or you know, like for instance, the next day, like this, I, I think we're assuming the the reason this person was doing this is because it puts them back, puts these guys back on waivers, mm-hmm. and and gives them sort of like a delay. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys like being in leagues where if you drop a guy, like some other team can come in t- like ten seconds later and pick him up if they're online, um, or do you like? Do you think it's more fair to have your league, you know, have either waivers every night or or like every few days?
0: What do you think, Craig?
2: My league does the traditional like there's one waiver and then after that it's just fair game and the more you think about it the does it, it doesn't really make sense I kind of think there should be two waivers there should be one Wednesday and one Saturday and that should be it
1: we have so this is actually a real life discussion that um, we were having in one of my leagues and I don't know exactly where I land I like I like first come first serve personally just because I'm online all day long and on Twitter all day long so therefore it gives me an advantage but it's definitely not fair to people who aren't at computers all week. For that reason, that's why it's terrible.
0: And the the free agency should not be a thing in fantasy football because Adam Schefter sends one tweet. Again, when Bill Simmons came on this podcast, he explained how they used to mail stuff. That's when waivers (laughs) was invented, when you had to mail your standings and you had to wait till Thursday to find out if you won and then send back your lineup in the goddamn mail. That doesn't work when Adam (laughs) Schefter tweets, BT dubs, Carlos Hyde traded to uh, f- to Jacksonville. Nick Chubb is the starter in Cleveland on like a random Thursday.
2: Yeah. And then you can just pick up Nick Chubb. If you happen to be on your couch eating potato chips, then you just get him while somebody else could be right. at the gym right. improving their life and they don't get him. <laughs> Sounds like that's how you
0: lost your fantasy league. I mean, look, that's how I won my league. It's Very Nick specific. Chubb last year. Like, it, yeah, I'm just, it's insane that it works that way. And any system that incentivizes people not having to be on the phone constantly, like getting an advantage, I think is better. Having said that waivers are stupid because you should be using free agent auction budget, which is that way the person who wants to pay the most for a player gets them. And then you can have $0 bids. So even if you spend all your money, you can still make ads throughout. You could do that every day at like 11am. Sometimes it's annoying because someone logs onto their computer inevitably at like noon and tries to set their lineup and they can't add someone, but nothing's perfect. But I think it's, it's insane to just use a system that was designed before smartphones after smartphones.
2: Yeah, the inherent problem with fantasy football is that it favors the people who just stare at their screens all day. Like, <laughs> that shouldn't really matter. It should just be knowledge and studying, but it 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 shouldn't just right. be like, oh, the guy who happens to be on his couch on Netflix has the best team.
1: We can agree with, as a, as a podcast that at least have waivers several times a week and that this is, that this particular court case, uh, we frown upon that. Veto that this. Strategy.
0: Yeah, Team yeah. A, Team A is wholly in the wrong. This court recommends a reversal, but if you want to <laughs> yeah. appeal, well, there's no higher court. This is the Supreme Fantasy Court. So sorry, Team A. <laughs> Undo that. Team B, you win. All right. Thank you to Jared Ishkadian for that question. Please submit your questions on the Ring NFL Show Facebook page or add us on Twitter. Craig what's your your handle again it's just my name
1: at did Craig
2: did you
0: change Carl it to Beck. Craig
1: did you change it to Craig Danny no yep.
0: I haven't checked if that's Craig available Danny. at Craig <laughs> Danny, Danny <laughs>
1: all
0: right I'm at Danny underscore Heifetz you're what at Danny B Kelly yeah Yes. At us yes. with your fantasy court questions and cases we're here to serve justice thank you DK thank you Craig thank you most of all to Devonte Parker but also thank you to <laughs> everyone for listening hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving and we'll see you guys later this week